and we serve an amazing God. And so grateful once again. Thank you for allowing us to be here. My wife and I and our son, Winston, I want to thank you for your kindness, your hospitality. Thank you, Pastor, for giving us the opportunity to come and present, the opportunity to preach the Word of God. And I want to, for the next couple of minutes, just share my testimony very briefly, how God led, uh, led me to the Lord, and then also how the fact of how God has led us to planting a church in Libby, Montana. I had the privilege of growing up in a Christian home. I made a profession of faith when I was five years old, but to be honest with you, um, that prayer was based upon the prayer, not the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And for the next 14 years of my life, if you were to ask me, Daniel, do you know Christ as your Savior? I would have said yes, not in the fact of conviction that I know Christ, but yes, in the fact of I didn't want to embarrass myself. But if truly in my heart, I was not 100% sure if I were to die during that time where I would spend eternity. And like any good young person that is seeking to go against the will of God and willing to go against authority, I joined the United States Army. And um, if you know anything about the military, that is completely opposite of that kind of lifestyle. And um, when I joined, I was really just trying to do my own thing. I enlisted in the Army because that was something I always wanted to do. And that first year being in the military, I really lived for myself. I would go to church on Sunday mornings because my parents had raised me to do that. But the rest of the time was spent on what I wanted to do with my life. And about a year into the military, I began to really realize everything I was living for was just bringing more emptiness. The lifestyle that the world promised me was nothing but emptiness. The job I thought was going to give me my satisfaction for my life was bringing more emptiness. And I was attending a church service in December 2013, and I could not tell you what the pastor was preaching on that morning, but the one thing God was penetrating my heart with was if I were to die that morning, I'd spend eternity without God because I've been basing my life upon a prayer, not a person. And the fact of the matter is salvation is based upon the person, Jesus Christ. And that morning I accepted Christ as my Savior, and he completely changed my life. And I love to say this, I gained everything with Christ. I think there's a perception nowadays with people that if I get saved, i got to give up this, this, and this, friend. We gain everything with Jesus. And I think if we truly understood what eternity would be without God, many more people would come to know Christ. We gain everything. We have eternal life. And the greatest thing for me that I have never been able to get over is the fact that I have a personal relationship with my God and my Savior. And it doesn't matter who's in the White House. I have a greater access, a greater throne room I get to enter in. And that's the throne room of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'm so grateful for how God led us. After that, about a month or so later, was on a missions trip. I was stationed in Alaska at the time and was on a mission trip to a remote village. And as we were going through that village, visiting people, about 20, 30 people on the Yukon River in the middle of February, so it was very cold, the Lord began to really work in my heart about the fact of there are people like this all around the world that need the gospel, and what are you going to do about it? And I just could not shake that thought. And in my devotions, about a week later, was reading through 1 Samuel, where God is calling Samuel. And he doesn't know who's getting a hold of his heart, but Eli has the wisdom to say, hey, it's the Lord. And he just simply says, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. And the Lord called me to preach. A couple years later, was reading in my devotions, Romans 15, 20, where the Apostle Paul talks about going where no man has gone before and preaching the gospel. And that's really where the seed of the pioneering work of church planting began to take root in my heart. And after uh, being in the military, the Lord led me to Crown College in 2016. I met my wife my freshman year, her senior year, and I'm a year older than her. So just try to think about that for a minute. Uh, but we met my freshman year of college, 
And it was amazing because that semester we had a missions conference and a missionary from Japan got up and spoke about Romans 15, 20. And at that point, we had been dating for about two months and not really talking too seriously uh, about the future in the sense of where this was all going, but still trying to feel things out. And it was in that service my wife went forward to the altar. And if you've ever been to Bible college, I'll be the first to admit my mind went, what is going on now? We just started dating. One or two things is about to happen. Either A, we're about to break up because God's called her somewhere I'm not called. Or B, this is about to be really good. And um, oh, ye of little faith, my first thought was on the first one. Um, but after the service, you know, like any good spiritual human being, I said, why did you go to the altar tonight? And my wife said, Romans 15, 20, God's working in my heart about going and planting a church and being a part of that work. And um, I just tell you that to say this, when God's in it, he brings everything together. You don't have to force anything. God is just, the, he'll keep bringing things together as you take your steps of faith. And in 2019, Crown College purchased some property, the Passage Northwest, out in Montana. And that's really where I had a burden, was going out there. And at that point in time, we had no idea what God was leading in the future. Um, but we wanted to be a part of a pioneering work. And as we were out there, we began going through this town called Libby, Montana. And that was the nearest place where we would have our eye doctor's appointments, our dentist appointments, and all those things. That's an hour and a half where we were living from. And so as we began going through that town, I began to realize there's not a solid gospel preaching church here. And I began to pray, Lord, send somebody to go and reach that town with the gospel. And I have to warn you, when you begin to pray that prayer, God may send you. And as I began to pray that prayer, God began to work in my heart and my life. And it was in 2020, uh, 2022, 2021, we were at a missions conference, and uh, at that point we were expecting Winston, and I knew we were expecting, we hadn't really officially announced it, but knowing all that that goes in with having a baby, the finances and everything, I said, Lord, man, this is going to be really tough. We're about to have a child financially. I don't know all the answers to this. And a missionary came up and he preached on the widow woman giving her two mites to the Lord. And he said, I don't know what happened to that widow woman, but he said, based upon the principles of God's word, she gave everything to the Lord, and the Lord, I guarantee you, provided for her needs. And that, and that evening I said, Lord, all right, I give the finances to you. And I, I will be the first to say this. I have found that in my personal life, God leads us in steps, one step of faith at a time. And as he begins to lead, to, lead us through those steps, he continues to guide and answer prayer. And we began deputation in the middle of January, like I said this morning. And uh, my wife and I have been praying specifically about an RV. And uh, we have one out there, and I've been telling people it's the Lord's RV. And uh, some people kind of laugh at that like we're trying to be super spiritual. But to be honest, it is his. Because our first week out, we began praying about having one. We moved everything out of where we were working into a storage unit. Really didn't have a place to live. And um, with my wife... And I and our son and our lab, there's not a lot of room in an SUV, amen, with our baggages. And so we thought, man, it'd be great to have a little bit of a home setting while we're traveling on deputation. We went to several RV lots, and the last salesman we talked to said, you know, to be honest, um, you guys in your situation, you don't have a permanent residence, you don't have a steady source of income, uh, there's no way a bank is going to really take a loan out on you guys. And uh, we were really discouraged about that. And my wife's been having several health difficulties at the time, too, so we were just really hoping and praying we'd be able to purchase one. And I really wrestled with that for about a week and a half. And during that time, we were at a church service on a Sunday night like this, and a gentleman walked up to me. I had not told him anything what we were praying about, and he said, I've had this RV 
that's been sitting in my garage the past five years. I've been trying to sell it. I can't sell it. And I want to give it to you guys while you're on deputation. I'm going to put you on the insurance. I'm going to keep making the payments for it. I just want you to fill up the gas, and I want you to change the oil, and that's it. And I say all that to say this. We serve a God that is faithful. Faithful is he that has called you who also will do it. And I don't know what God's been working in your heart and life about, but I want to tell you this. We serve a God that when you step out by faith, he'll meet you there. And I don't know how, and I don't know when, and I don't know where, but he will do that because that is who God is. He rests upon his promises. And we've had several people ask us, well, where are you going to live in, Libby? Where are you going to, what building are you going to go into? And I don't have the answer at this point, but if God can provide for us a $100,000 RV with 50,000 miles on it and give us that for deputation, I guarantee you God can provide a building for us and the right place to live when we get to Libby. Why? Because he is faithful. And I rest upon the faithfulness of God. And I just want to encourage you, keep stepping out by faith. Keep moving forward by faith. Because God is able to do above and beyond beyond what we can ask or think. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity to be here. And I encourage you, please, keep going forward by faith. Joshua chapter 1 this evening, we're going to once again delve into this. We read this a couple minutes ago. And I just want to simply encourage you and preach to you what God has been preaching to me since we began deputation. And my prayer is that would be encouragement to your heart and your life. And in Joshua chapter 1, we'll once again read these verses, and then we'll delve into the message tonight. And it says in Joshua 1.1, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea, till the going down the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shall thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Tonight, by God's help, I want to preach off of this phrase found in verse 6, 7, and 9, where the word of God says this, Be strong and of a good courage. Be strong and of a good courage. When you come to this passage of scripture like we just read in verses 1 and 2, we find that Moses, the great leader of the nation of Israel, has gone on to be with the Lord, and God has elected the next leader from the nation of Israel, and that is the man Joshua. And if you would, for the next couple of moments, put yourself in Joshua's shoes as we enter into Joshua chapter 1. Joshua is following after a great man, a great leader, Moses. I was reading somewhere in an article where it said at West Point they consider Moses to be one of the top 50 greatest leaders to ever live. Think about how many men, how many women have led nations, have led campaigns, military campaigns, have led different sort of organizations, and West Point considers Moses to be one of the top 50 greatest leaders to ever live. Moses was not just a great leader, but the Bible says that he was a friend of God's. 
You think about great compliments people can give you and I. Maybe it's they're a hard worker, they're a kind person, they're honest. But I can't think of a greater compliment that you and I can be given than to be said that person is a friend of God's. But as you read through the Old Testament, specifically in the Pentateuch, we find that God comes to Moses one day as the nation of Israel is murmuring about having water. And God says, Moses, I want you to speak to this rock. But we all know that because of Moses and his anger, Moses does not speak to the rock. The Bible says that he smites it. And God says, Moses, because of your disobedience, you will not be able to enter into the land of Canaan. You will see it from afar, but you won't be able to enter. And because of that moment of disobedience, God elects Joshua as the new leader. And I don't know if you've ever been in a position, maybe in your workforce or maybe following after somebody, but in essence, Joshua has big shoes to fill as we enter into Joshua chapter 1. But not only is Joshua following after a great leader, think about the people Joshua is leading into the land of Canaan. We think Americans are high-minded and divided today. Read about the nation of Israel. God leads them out of the land of Egypt, really with the ten plagues, the ten miracles, I think. And you would think after seeing what God did, they'd be like, oh man, we're all in. But that wasn't the case. The first obstacle they face after being freed out of Egypt is the Red Sea. As they face the Red Sea in front of them, they have the Egyptian army behind them, which was the greatest military force of that time. And as they're faced with this obstacle, instead of trusting God by faith, the nation of Israel, in essence, tells Moses, tells God, they say, why did you lead us out here to die? God parts the Red Sea, they walk on dry ground, and as they walk on dry ground and enter into the wilderness, they turn around and see God engulf the mightiest army of that time, the Egyptian army. And you would think after all that they've just seen, they would trust God by faith, but that wasn't the case. They got once again complained because they don't have water. God turns bitter water into sweet. Then they complain about not having food. God provides them manna and quail for 40 years of faithfulness. And yet what happens? You find that God does a miracle. Then as soon as it seems God does a miracle, they complain. Back and forth, back and forth. This is the relationship of the nation of Israel with God. And these are the people, their children, that Joshua has been tasked to lead into the land of Canaan. So not only is Joshua following after a great leader, not only is he leading a people that really don't have a great track record, think about what they're about to do, entering into the land of Canaan and conquering it. And the people, the nations of the land of Canaan, weren't just going to give up their cities and say, hey, come on in, you can have it. Oh, your God promised this? Oh, that's fine, we'll just go move elsewhere. No, these people were going to fight the nation of Israel tooth and nail as they tried to conquer it. And as they're preparing to do all of these things, God comes to Joshua and he says, Joshua, I want you to be strong and of a good courage. And friend, we are living in a day and age where God is looking for a people. God is looking for fathers, mothers, young people in the home that are going to determine to be strong and of a good courage in following God. Our homes desperately need somebody to step up and be strong and of a good courage. Our schools are looking for young people that are going to be strong and of a good courage in following God. Your workforce needs somebody that's going to be strong and of good courage. This church is looking for its people to stand up and be strong and of a good courage like God called Joshua to do those thousands of years ago. 
And the question we all have to answer in our life, and it doesn't matter if you're a grandparent, doesn't matter if you're a father, a spouse, if you're a young person, all of us tonight have a call in God's work that requires us to be strong and of a good courage. And the question we must answer tonight is, will I be the person that will be strong and of a good courage in following God? We find tonight, by definition, this word strong means to fasten upon, to seize, to play the man. To fasten upon, to seize, to play the man. When God called Joshua to be strong, he wasn't saying, Joshua, you need to go find the nearest planet fitness and start working out and lifting weights. What he meant by being strong was, Joshua, you need to fasten upon You need to seize me and my word, and you need to play the part I've called you to play. Friend, all of us have a part to play in the work of God tonight. God didn't just save us so we could just live out the rest of our life and hunker down till the rapture comes. God has saved all of us to get involved with his work and furthering the gospel. And the only way we're going to be able to further the gospel and play our part, whether you're a grandparent, whether you're a parent, whether you're a young person, is by seizing God in his word and living by it. What our nation desperately needs tonight is for God's people to wake up and have conviction in following the word of God. People that are not just willing to live by the word, but are willing to die by it. That's what true conviction we need tonight. In October 16, 1555, in Oxford, England, there were two men by the name of Latimer and Ridley. And we have been blessed in the United States of America to have freedom of religion. But if you were living in that time period, you did not have that option. You had what was called the State Church of England. And that was your only option in worshiping God. And you had to follow their doctrine and their beliefs. And if you decided, hey, I'm not going to do this anymore, and they found you guilty of that, you had two options. Either recant and go back to the State Church, Or option B was you'd be burned at the stake. And Latimer and Ridley were two men that came to know Christ. And as they began to study the word of God, they began to realize that the state church was teaching false doctrine and beliefs that they could not stand by. And as they were being judged, they were found guilty and they said, we will not recant our faith in Christ. And as they're being prepared to be burned at the stake, Latimer made this quote to Ridley where he said, be of good comfort, Master Ridley, and play the man. We shall this day light such a candle by God's grace in England as shall never be put out. Friend, what God is looking for tonight is for people that are going to say, we're going to play our part, even if it means losing our lives. Because I don't know about you, but if you've read the news lately, we're living in a generation that has turned its back against God tonight. We're living in a generation in America that has openly said, we don't believe the God of our fathers. We believe in us as God. And there's going to come a time where it's not just going to be on the news, but it's going to be at our door. And we're going to have to determine here and now whether or not we are going to be strong in the Lord and play our part, even if it means our lives. Will we be strong in the Lord tonight? He also says, don't just be strong in the Lord. It says, be of good courage. That word courage means to establish, fortify, to be alert, increase, prevail. You know why we lack the courage that we desperately need in being the witness on our workforce and being the witness in our neighborhood? Because we have been establishing and fortifying our lives upon the wrong thing. 
You know how Joshua could be strong and of good courage? Because God said, if you establish and fortify your life upon me and my word, you'll have the courage to step out by faith. Friend, may I remind you that all that the world tells us to build our lives upon is sinking sand. It's always changing. What's amazing to me is what was unacceptable five years ago is now acceptable in society, and what was thought of as normal is now unnormal and despised. The world is always changing. But I want to remind you tonight that we serve a God that never changes. We serve a God that is the rock, and this book never changes. A thousand years from now, guess what? This book will still be the same. And why can we not just be strong but be of a good courage? Because if we build our personal lives, if we build our family, if we continue to build this church upon God and his word, we can be of good courage because God's word and God never changes. But I love what it also says with being of a good courage. It says we increase and prevail. And I will remind you tonight, we serve an increasing, prevailing God tonight. You want to increase and prevail in your life, be of good courage. Because when you get in the work of God and when you follow God, it's always upward and it's always onward and it's always increasing and it's always prevailing. And so once again, the question tonight for all of us is this. Will we be strong and of good courage in following our God? Number one, why be strong and of good courage in living a life of victory? And come again to verse 6 and it says, Be strong and of good courage. For unto this people shall I divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. God had already promised the victory to the nation of Israel even before they entered into the land of Canaan. When you go back to Genesis chapter 12, you find that God comes to Abraham, the father of the nation of Israel. And he says, Abraham, I've called you out of the earth of the Chaldees. And he leads him into the nation of, into the land of Canaan. And he says, as far as you can see, that is going to be your inheritance. That is your children's inheritance. And I want to remind all of us tonight that we are victorious already because we serve a victorious God tonight. Our God, 2,000 years ago, when he died on that cross, he claimed victory over sin. And aren't you thankful we serve a God that's conquered our sin tonight? Amen. Not only has he conquered sin, three days later he arose again, and guess what? He conquered death. And in the conquering of death, he now holds the keys to hell. We serve a victorious God tonight. That is why we can be strong and of a good courage in following him. Friend, I want to remind you, it doesn't matter who wins the election in 2024, we are still on the winning side because we serve a victorious God. And I don't know about you, I'm sick and tired of seeing Christians on Facebook and social media acting like the world's coming to an end. Friend, the best is yet to come for the believer. The worst we ever can face is what we face on this earth. The best is yet to come when we enter into eternity. We serve a victorious God tonight. Why can we be strong and have a good courage in a time and day in America where many of the people say there's no reason to serve God? Your God is dead because our God still reigns and is seated at the right hand of the Father tonight. We serve a victorious God. I love what it says in Deuteronomy 24, For the Lord your God is he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. That same God that went for the nation of Israel those thousands of years ago as they entered into the land of Canaan is the same God tonight 
that is still fighting, that is still going with his people as we encounter the enemy day by day. It also says this, Psalm 108, 13, Through God we shall do valiantly, for it is he that shall tread down our enemies. I love that verse because the Bible says we do valiantly. It doesn't say we'll do okay. It doesn't say we may or may not have a good outcome. It says we can fight valiantly, for God still treads down our enemies. Truth still marches on tonight. And it doesn't matter how loud people say God is dead. Truth always moves forward. We serve a victorious God. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We serve a victorious God tonight. Therefore, we can be strong and of a good courage. Friend, I've read the end of this book. And the end of this book says this, Every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Do you realize that the most powerful human being on earth tonight is one day going to bow before our Savior? The most powerful human being with all the money in the world one day is going to bow before our God and admit that he is Christ. He is Lord. We can be strong and have a good courage because we serve a victorious God tonight. Number two, we can be strong and have a good courage in following the word of God. Verse 7 and 8, Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Number one, why be strong and of good courage in living a life of victory? But number two, be strong and of good courage in following the word of God. We're living in a generation, like I've already said tonight, that mocks God and his word. When is the last time you've seen a modern TV show that didn't mock the father and did not promote the sin of the young people in the home? I was reading recently in the news where this lady was at a rally and it, was said, and it said that she was holding the word of God and literally ripping pages out of the Bible in mockery of God and his word. Friend, maybe 20, 30 years ago was a respectable thing to be a Christian, but not today. And the fact of the matter is, if we're going to have a Christian home, we're going to have to be strong and of good courage in following the Word of God. To be the Christian on your workforce means to be strong and of good courage in following the Word of God. And that requires being strong and of good courage. We see, number one, what does it mean to be strong and of a good courage in following the word of God tonight? Number one, we can't compromise it. It says in verse 7, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left. I'll be the first to admit, the longer I've been saved, the easier it is to try to compromise God and his word. How easy is it to read our daily devotions or to be under the preaching of God's word and say, God, I agree with 90, 95% of it, but the other 5 to 10% I got figured out on my own. Friend, life and death, victory and defeat hinges upon whether or not we will compromise God and his word or we will not compromise it. You don't believe me? Continue reading through the book of Joshua. They cross over the Jordan River and they enter into the land of Canaan. The first obstacle they face is the wall of Jericho. And the walls of Jericho were not just some kind of puny little walls that we envisioned. These were massive walls. 
Because the fact of the matter is, that was life and death for that city. And God comes to Joshua and he says, Joshua, I want you to march around the walls of Jericho one time. And on the seventh day, you're going to march around seven times, blow the trumpet, a great shout, and the walls are coming down. And having been in the army, if that is what my commanding officer would have said, that's what we're going to do, I would have said, eh, okay, but I don't agree with it. I said, they're nuts. But that's what God told them to do. And on that seventh day, they saw a great victory. But that is not, what all, that is not the end of what God told Joshua and the nation of Israel to do. God also said, you're not to take anything out of that city because everything in that city is for me. And if you read in the word of God, you find one man, Achan, decides he knows better than God. And he takes some garments and he takes some gold and silver and hides it under his tent. The next battle the nation of Israel faces is against the people of Ai. As far as I remember, they were not as strong as the people of Jericho. Joshua does not consult God whether they're sin in the camp. He sends a third of the army in to battle the people of Ai. And the nation of Israel loses terribly. Why? Because one man decided to compromise God in his word. How many homes have been ruined because a father or mother compromised the word of God? How many young people should be in churches like this tonight or even in this church tonight, but because they decided to compromise God and his word, they're not even close to the doors of a church? How many churches that once preached the word of God no longer exist or worse have compromised so much you can't tell the difference between them and a rock concert? Friend, the fact of the matter is God takes his word seriously. And he does not desire and he does not have a gray area in following him in his word. You know why we so oftentimes, I think, compromise God in his word? Because we don't compare ourselves to God. We compare ourselves to one another. Well, God, you're blessing so-and-so, so it must be okay to live this kind of lifestyle. Friend, the standard tonight is not between you and I. The standard tonight is between us and Jesus Christ and his word. And if we're going to be strong and of good courage tonight, we have to determine we are not going to compromise the word of God. It also continues on in verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Not only should we not compromise the word of God, we should be unashamed to speak about it. Because what we love, we'll talk about. It will only take about five minutes for you and I to have a one-on-one conversation and we could tell what each other loves. Why? Because what we love... We'll just speak about it. And I ask you this, when is the last time we shared with somebody what God has been doing in our hearts and lives? When is the last time you got with your spouse and said, can I share with you what God's been doing in my life? When is the last time you went to a neighbor and said, I want to talk to you about how my God has been working in my heart and my life? Because the fact of the matter is, who we love, what we love, we'll be unashamed to talk about. How many of us are more unashamed to talk about our favorite candidate's policies than we are to talk about Jesus Christ tonight? The fact of the matter is, we are the ones that claim that Jesus Christ has changed our lives. We're the ones that claimed he's transformed our lives. We're the ones that have claimed he's changed us and given us a relationship with him, has saved us from hell. Yet I wonder how little we speak about him in his word. Friend, you may be in the silent majority of your party politically, but I have yet to read in God's word where it says we need to be silent. What I have found in God and his word is that we should be unashamed to speak about God and his word. Why? Because he's the one that has changed our lives. If Pastor and I were out here on this highway 
and I was walking across, and a semi was coming, and he saw it and saved my life, you know what? I'd be unashamed to speak about what your pastor did for me. But the fact of the matter is, Jesus Christ has saved us, not just from some temporary accident. He saved us from all eternity and hell, away from him, in a place we can't even comprehend. Yet we speak so little about him. And friend, I'll be honest, I believe the reason we speak so little about him is because we spend so little time with him. What we spend time on and with is what we'll talk about. You know why we can talk about the news? Because we're always on it. You know why we can talk about our favorite teams and sporting events? Because we're always watching. You know why we can talk about the latest gossip? Because we're always on the newest social media thing going on. Friend, what we need to get back to is being unashamed about speaking about God in his word. And the only way that's going to happen is by getting back into a proper relationship with him. It continues on and says this, But thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Not only should we be unashamed to speak about him, but we should always be thinking about him. What we love, we'll think about. And I've already said this already, but if we spend so little time with him, it's a no wonder we spend so little time thinking about him. Oh, how we can think about so many temporal things, all the next thing to do, all the next thing that's going on in my life, and all these other things. Friend, the greatest thing we can meditate upon is Christ and his word. What we need tonight is not a revolution of politics, not a revolution of economic reform or social reform. What we need tonight is for God's people to get back to the word of God and not just be unashamed to think, say it, talk about it, but to also think about it. Because what we'll love, we'll think about. Psalm 1-2 says this, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. I ask all of us tonight, do we delight in getting into the Word of God? Or do we just get into the Word of God so we can ease our Christian conscience? Friend, in any other relationship, if we were to just always be... We'd say that's an abusive relationship. But yet, how often as Christians do we do the same thing with God? We come into His presence for one reason, because we have needs and we need them answered. Friend, a true relationship means we delight in spending time with the Lord. Friend, I love spending time with my wife. I delight in being with her. We delight with being with one another, yet I ask you, why do we not delight in being with the Savior that saved our wretched souls? It goes on and says this in Psalm 104, 34, My meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. When is the last time we came before God and just simply said, Lord, I love you, not just for what you've given me, but for who you are, for what you, who you are and how you never change. When we think about something we love, it's because of who or what they offer us. Friend, Jesus Christ has given us everything. The most sweet thing we should think about throughout our day is not what is next, not what we're accomplishing, but about our Savior, Jesus Christ. When you and I begin to think about God and his word, these are the things that come to our mind. Philippians 4, 8 says this, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Friend, I want to tell you tonight, you're not going to find those things on your news network. 
You're not going to find them on a TV show. You're not going to find them on social media. You're not going to find them in a politician. The only place where these things happen consistently upon this earth and never change is found in this book. You want to change your personal life. You want to change how you think, going from all the negative things and going back to the positive. You want to change your marriage. You want to change your outlook on coming to church. Get off all those distractions and get back into the Word of God. Because this is where things are true. This is where things are honest. These are where things are just of good report of virtue and praise. These are where these things happen. The Word of God transforms and changes lives. You want to change life tonight? Get back into the Word of God. But he also says we should not be unashamed to speak about it and think about it. But lastly, we need to obey the Word of God. He concludes by saying this, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Friend, tonight, lastly, what God is looking for in being strong and of good courage and following the Word of God is just simply being obedient to it. What God is looking for tonight is obedient Christians. Because God cannot bless a disobedient Christian. I think we've come to this idea in our lives, well, if I compromise here, if I compromise there, I'm going to get all these blessings, I'm still going to be okay. It's not like God's going to see our sin. Friend, God cannot bless disobedience. But he does bless obedience. At the end of verse 8, it says this, For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. I want to say this, at the end of this verse, what God is talking about, the prospering success and following the word of God, he's talking about eternal and not temporal. We lived on the most blessed nation on earth tonight. And if you don't believe me, go to a third world country where many of them live in a hut with just a bed and maybe a refrigerator and a cell phone, and that's all they have for their being. We are a blessed nation tonight. And because we are so blessed, I think we think as Christians sometimes that our blessings are found in the temporal But what God wants to do is bless us in the eternal. And I remind you, the eternal blessings of God never lose value and never go away. Because everything you see on this earth one day is going to burn up and be gone. But the things of eternity will last for all of eternity and beyond what we can imagine or think. And what God wants to do with us in being strong and of courage and following his word is he wants us to be prosperous and successful eternally. But that means we have to be obedient. I found this quote recently, and I thought it was a good quote. It says, expectation without effort is entitlement. Expectation without effort is entitlement. And how many of us live the Christian life, and before we nail down who we think are entitled people, how often do we live entitled Christian lives? We want the blessings of God, but we're not willing to put forth the effort of obedience. Oh, we don't understand why God's not blessing us in this area or why we're not moving forward in another area. Have we ever thought to think, maybe I'm not being completely obedient to what God wants for me? Friend, if we want to see the prospering success God desires in our lives spiritually, we have to not just not compromise the word of God. We have to not only be unashamed to speak about it. We should always be meditating upon it. But lastly, we have to be willing to be obedient to it. Thirdly, we find, why be strong and of a good courage? In verse 9, have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. 
Lastly, why be strong and of good courage? Because God is always with us. Friend, I don't know what you're going through in your life right now. I don't know what trials and tribulations you're going through. But I want to remind you tonight, be strong and of good courage because God goes with you. Why be the father in your home and building a family altar when maybe you have a young person that's away from the Lord right now and they're questioning everything you're doing? Because God goes with you tonight. When you go to that doctor's appointment and they tell you you have something you did not want to have and it's a dreaded thing and there doesn't seem to be a lot of hope, be strong and of good courage because God goes with you. Why be strong and of good courage on the workforce and witnessing to that co-worker for the umpteenth time, even though they've mocked you, they've mocked God, because God goes with you. Why step out by faith in this church to be involved in the ministry here? Because God goes with us tonight. Friend, with Jesus Christ as our Savior, we never go alone. And as the nation of Israel is preparing to go into the land of Canaan, with all the uncertainty at this time in Joshua chapter 1, with all that is about to go on as Joshua is the leader, God reminds Joshua, be strong and have a good courage because I'm going with you. And friend, the reason why we should be the most bold people on this earth, because we serve a God that goes with us tonight, and either that same God that goes with us tonight is the same God that goes with us tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, and for the rest of our lives. We can be strong and have a good courage because our God goes with us. And it's high time we quit cowering. It's high time we quit saying we're just going to hunker down till the rapture comes or till we face eternity because God still goes with us tonight. Therefore, we can be strong and have a good courage. Lastly, I want to close with this verse. Deuteronomy 31.6. Be strong and have a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. Friend, it's high time we quit fearing the enemy because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It doesn't matter how loud the enemy screams tonight, our God is still greater, and he goes with us. And I don't know about you, but our God is more powerful than any human being I know of. We don't need to fear the enemy tonight. But he also says this, for the Lord thy God, it is he that doth go with thee, he will not fail thee. Friend, everybody else on this earth may fail you at some point in time, they will fail you at some point in time, but Jesus never fails. We serve a God that doesn't fail us. You may be in sin tonight, wandering from God. May I remind you, Christ won't fail you. He's still there with arms wide open, ready for you to come back to him. You may be disappointed in somebody that has disappointed you in your life recently, and they failed you. Jesus never fails. But I love what it says also, nor forsake thee. Everyone else may forsake you, but God won't forsake you. I'm reminded of the man Job in the Old Testament, and many of you are familiar with this story. Job chapter 1, you find that he's worshiping the Lord, building an altar early in the morning, and the devil comes to God and in essence says, what about your servant Job? What will happen if all these things turn against him, if all of his wealth is gone and everything? God says, go ahead, you just can't kill him. And in one day, Job loses all of his children. I have one son, and I cannot imagine losing him, let alone all of the children at once. Yet that's what happens. But not only does Job lose his children, he loses all of his personal possessions, all gone in a day. His friends come to him, and in essence, they pretty much say, Job, you've done something wrong. You need to figure this out. And his wife says, Job, just curse God and die. Everybody on this earth forsook Job, but there was one person that never forsook him, and that was God. And friend, I want to encourage all of us tonight, be strong and of a good courage because God goes with us. 
You know why I take heart in going to Libby, Montana, where there's already been church plants that have gone there and people that have gone there and never really succeeded in, in beginning and holding on to a church? You know why I take courage in going there? Because God goes with me. I don't have to fear because God's going with us. And friend, I don't know what God's working in your heart tonight about, but I want to encourage you. Be strong and of good courage because God goes with you. We serve a God that will never leave us nor forsake us. Once again, I ask this simple question. Will you be strong and of good courage in following God tonight? Maybe you're here as a father and you, you've neglected the spiritual responsibilities of leading your home. Be strong and of a good courage in building that family altar and build, being that spiritual leader for the Lord in your family. Maybe you're a young person here tonight and you've, you've gone into the peer pressure of this world. I encourage you to be strong and of good courage in following the Lord in your school. Maybe God is working your heart tonight and being more involved in this church in some sort of ministry. I've yet to meet a pastor that would say no to more help in the workforce for God. Be strong and of a good courage. Maybe you're here tonight and you don't know Christ as your Savior. The first step is being strong and of a good courage and accepting him as your Savior. It will be the greatest decision you ever make. But whatever the case may be, will we be strong and of a good courage? Fathers, we conclude this time in your word. We thank thee for it. We thank thee for the man Joshua. Lord, how you greatly used him. But Lord, he had determined to be strong and of a good courage. And Father, you're seeking for people tonight in all their walks of life to be strong and of a good courage. And I ask, Father, that people would yield to thy spirit tonight, that we would not neglect what we've heard through thy word, but that we would to thy word and that we would allow thee to transform our lives. Lord, our world is searching and seeking for somebody that's going to stand up and be strong and of a good courage. May we answer that call tonight. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm about to turn over the pastor, but I have a couple simple questions tonight. The first question that's already been asked this morning but I want to ask it again. Is there somebody here tonight that would be completely honest and say, Brother Dan, if I were to die in this moment, I don't know where I'd spend eternity. And I'd like for you to pray for me. Would you lift up your hand with mine? Nobody looking around. Just want to look and see if there's anybody here tonight that would be honest and say, I am not 100% sure if I were to die tonight. I, know where I'd spend et- I don't know where I'd spend eternity. If that is you, would you raise your hand with mine? Nobody looking around. Is there anybody here tonight? The next question I have is this for the believer. Are we living a life of being strong and of a good courage? Maybe there's an area of your life. Maybe it's getting back to the victorious Christian life. Friend, we have the victory in Jesus Christ. Maybe it's being strong and of a good courage and following the word of God. Maybe you've forgotten the fact that as you and I leave and everywhere we go, we're in the presence of our Savior. The Bible says that Christ dwells within us. We have the Holy Spirit in us tonight. And maybe you've struggled in remembering that. Whatever the case may be, I want to encourage you to get thoroughly right with God and allow Him to do His work in your life. Maybe it's coming to this altar and just praying and just saying, Lord, I want to be the man. I want to be the woman. I want to be the young person you've called me to be, to be strong and of a good courage. Friend, I encourage you, may we not leave this place tonight just hearers, but may we leave this place doers. 
As the Lord speaks to your heart, you do business with God.